C.J. Wilson, World Series lefty, formerly with the Texas Rangers and now, of course, with the Angels, has a sports car team which ran in Daytona prior to the Daytona 24 Hours. We spent a long time with the guy prior to the 24 Hours race, and to use a baseball term, we sprayed it to all fields. It was so good that we'll break it down to two interviews for you. That's just how we have to do this. We'll break C.J. Wilson down to two interviews. And out of the gate, I asked about other pro athletes in motorsports. CJ, why don't more athletes with your kind of cake own more race teams? I think it's just familiarity. You know, I grew up around racing. My dad was on a pit crew for a dirt track midget team when I was a kid. So I used to go to Ascot and Riverside and, you know, all those tracks and stuff in Southern California. And I was getting amped up about racing. So I, you know, did some go-karting and got into racing myself. But I think a lot of guys... They like golf. They like the relaxing thing. Golf, to me, is not relaxing. It's frustrating. Race cars are awesome. So I just like the adrenaline, the speed, and all that. And that's really how I got into it. But some guys, they're terrified of going fast. They don't want to hurt themselves or something. And so anything associated with it they see is sort of taboo. But you can't really call racing relaxing, or can you? Well, 24-hour races are a little bit more relaxing. You know, you get the monotonous hum of the engines kind of through each corner. But, no, I mean, it, it's something that I feel just it speaks to me. You know, racing, especially when you're in the car, there's all the harmonics of the engine and the other cars and stuff like that. It becomes a zen experience. It might not be relaxing, but you're at your best. You're focused. It's kind of like a martial art where it's like, you know, when you're really balanced and you're doing it right, it is kind of like something that, speaks to you on a deeper level and if anybody's done it or been around it then they know but the people that haven't they're just like don't you just push the gas pedal oh i can't stand that don't y'all just just go fast but that's why when you just said a zen experience it it, it's 180 degrees of what you just what you said there oh don't you guys just go fast however it is hypnotic to other people that are in motorsports yeah it is it's i mean it's it's kind of like uh it's an acquired taste obviously but once you have it you just never get rid of it. It's always in your blood. And I feel like that's something that, you know, it's cool because we, we're a development team. You know, we have young kids come through and they win a prize or something like that with the Mazda Teen Challenge. And then they come in the MX-5 Cup and then they try to race their way up into Grand Am. And so you see these kids that are, you know, 16 years old, 18 years old, whatever, and they're kind of working their way up to be professional drivers. They want to be the next Tony Stewart or the next you know, Dario Franchitti or something like that. And that that's fun for me to watch because professional athlete to aspiring professional athlete, I can relate to them and say, hey, I was in your shoes. I was in the college or the minor leagues. And I know the fire that burns inside you that, to get to the next level. And it's wait, fun. Wait a minute. C.J. Wilson, <laughs> we're sitting here listening to you talk about Zen and talk about all this stuff. You're a guy that stands on a hill 60 feet away from some insane people with a stick that want to knock the ball off my your, face, off your face, <laughs> yeah, and then bounce it into the third row of the stands. Yep. You know about pressure. What's the Zen thing happening <laughs> in a racetrack? Well, that's what it is, though. Like you know, Senna, Ayrton Senna, who's one of my favorite drivers of all time, and uh, you know, I've read all of his literature, all of his books, and stuff like that. And he says, you know, pressure is something that you create with yourself. So if you're able to actually isolate yourself and kind of put yourself in a bubble like the zen bubble for instance then it's just you in the car and you're out there trying to become you know one with the limit and that's really what it's about at, at its at its deep core that's really what i mean it's easier for him to say because he was never running in the mid pack he's always in front of everybody else <laughs> so he's like just running qualifying laps the whole time with nobody in front of him but um you know for some of us mid packers the challenge of staying calm in the midst of 
having to make all these decisions, and it's the split-second decisions that really make the difference between a guy that's going to fly off the track or crash or make the amazing pass. Now, I heard Colin Kaepernick, the, the 49ers quarterback, said that pressure comes when you're not prepared. Right. You kind of agree with that? It sounds like that's what you're saying. If you prepared the race or you're prepared to throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, it's no pressure. You just do it. Right. It's the, the actual game or the race is the reward for all the preparation and the hours and hours that you've put in. I mean, for us as baseball players, we're watching video, you know, we're working out, we're playing long toss, we're running. It always towards this discipline of winning the game or making that one perfect pitch over and over and over again. And in the race, it's the same thing. You, you do your time in the simulator, you do your training, you eat well, you sleep well. Um, no, but it, it is very similar. There's a lot of similarities in between baseball and, you know, motorsports and really kind of any two things that are at the top level. If you're a professional heart surgeon, you have to deal with stress and pressure and the fear of failure just the same way you do if you're racing the Indy 500 or, you know, NASCAR or anything else. Now, when you listen, let me slip one more in here. Uh, C.J. Wilson, when you're on the mound pitching, do you ever think about racing and vice versa when you're coming out of a turn, going out the banking at Daytona, do you ever think about throwing a fastball past, uh, I don't know, I, don't, I want to say Barry Bonds, but he's not out there anymore. I, I used to think about that, yeah. I, used to be like, <laughs> I never got to face Barry Bonds, which is kind of a bummer. Um, I got to face a lot of the other guys at the end of their, you know, that era. Well, who's the guy that makes you afraid now? There's nobody. See, it's funny because it's like the little guys. It's like the guys that just like slap the ball. Those are the dudes that the little mouse guys. Yeah, those guys. Bump the, me the, out. the Kinslers. <laughs> no, because no, because Kinslers trying to go deep, so it's different. Like you know, if you throw it down the middle, he can he can launch one over the stands. But if you make a good pitch, he's still trying to launch one. So he's not going to go up there and bunt. But the guy like Ichiro. If, if there was a right-handed Ichiro, because Ichiro is lefty, so I get him out okay. Yeah. But a right-handed Ichiro. What did oh you just say? God. What did you just say? I get him out okay. Yes! So we're gonna we're gonna put that we're gonna put that online. And was, and you know, like for instance, like like Sean Figgins when I first came up to the majors, he was like a right-handed Ichiro. He stole fifty or sixty bases a year, and he batted right-handed. He would just like kind of slap the ball through the infield and then get on first base and jump around and then like try to steal second. And he it was so like he owned me. I couldn't get him out. And then I was like, you know what? I need to try something totally different. So I just started looping these huge curveballs in there, and then he would be like, uh, and he you know I made him supply all the power, and then it, it kind of took his his advantage away. And that's baseball is a game of adjustments in the same way that racing is. You know, you have to. Some guys are particularly good in one part of the track, or their cars are good at one particular track. And for us, obviously, we're racing Mazda MX-5s, not V8s. You know, something like that, where we're just going to stomp on the pedal. So tracks that require a little bit more finesse, like Barber or Mazda Raceway, those are the tracks where our car shines. In the same sense that. You know, all these manufacturers are different, and it's all it's about racing. momentum. You it is once yeah. you get out of the gas, it might take you half a lap to get back to that speed, right? Because there's no turbo boost like on Mario Kart, you know. So you have to kind of <laughs> you have to really kind of keep it keep it wound up. But you know, it, it's really rewarding for me because I'm I'm trying to develop something right now, a corporate culture within the team that's positive, and we develop the drivers and stuff. And hopefully we can continue to grow and develop and grow and develop until we're at that top echelon, you know, the running the Daytona 24-hour for a, a class win or Le Mans for a class win or something like that. See, the season starts up, all right, you've got spring training, you've got April. Have you been collecting any paychecks from November to, what, February, March? No, we only get paid during the season. So we get two, pay, oh, wow. we get two paychecks a month during the season. So it's like getting, you know, we... You have to kind of be the squirrel that hides the acorns, you know, <laughs> especially when you have the hobbies like I do. A lot of guys, they have 
it's really funny. They have a they have an in house accountant, which is what I like to call the the wife that doesn't work. And then the um, so what they do is you know the wife. A lot of the guys some some of the guys aren't that good with money. Some guys are. You know some guys the guys that are good with money they do investments and they're kind of you know they do some stuff going on. But otherwise the wife is like you can't get a new car or you can't do this. And so people will be like, dude, how'd you get this car? Like I mean how'd you? I'm like. I don't have an. In- I'm, I'm I'm my own accountant, you know. Like <laughs> no one's telling me what to do, so it's kind of funny. But I, I've had to, you know, learn some lessons with that, and it's it's been, you know, a couple of years of uh, where I was like, oh man, hey, when's April fifteenth coming up? I need that paycheck. So <laughs> tax you know, day, is tax day. First? Well, yeah, it's like it's kind of ironic. You have to pay taxes and get your paycheck at the same time. So. Statman, you are of course with C.J. Wilson from the Los Angeles Angels. You are now a C.J. Wilson fan, aren't you? Without question, especially a guy who likes to race a car as well as throw 90-mile-hour fastballs. Yeah. C.J. Wilson here in the Speed Freaks pits. Well, we spent some time with the World Series lefty and during the Daytona 24 Hours weekend. You know, he's sinking some sizable change into a race team that looks like it's about to blow up, some inside information that we're getting here in the Freak Nation. Now, of course, we talked some baseball, including steroids, his chin music for dudes hugging the plate, and his new roomie, Josh Hamilton. When you saw that Josh is coming to the Angels, you be, you're kind of a different breed, though, CJ. Where I would think that maybe maybe you thought I'm ambidextrous. That's correct. Yeah, true. Now Josh, now you Josh can't, coming to the now Angels. you can't pitch to the guy, right? But you're a competitor. Did it? Don't you enjoy p- throwing against guys like that? Yeah, I do actually. I mean, the guy, the big guys, I like going up against Miguel Cabrera. And it's funny because when you're facing a guy like that, within the game, there's this little like wink that happens, or a little bit of like a kind of you, you kind of kick the, the mound with your foot like a bull, and you kind of like look at him and give him like the sup nod, like what's up? And they're like, okay. And the if sup he, nod. And it's funny because one of the first guys that that happened with was Johnny Damon. And, like, Johnny Damon and Derek Jeter always kind of, like, acknowledge you when they get in the box. They, I wish people could see this, but they sort of dig in, and they're kind of, like, look at you, and they're kind of like, hey, buddy. You know, they're like, don't hit me in the face. Okay, I'm pretty. And then they kind of get in there and wiggle around. And um, I, I walked Derek Jeter one time on a pitch that was a strike, and he knew it was a strike. And he's standing on first base, and he was like, like that, you know. Like, like, the umpire gave me that one, and I was kind of like, I kind of, like, tipped my hat to him and laughed. And then he just started laughing. Another time, like... Johnny Damon had like a broken bat single and like flexed at me like he was really buff, you know, like as a joke because he's hilarious. He's a total clown. And I just started, I literally had to cover my face because I was laughing in the (laughs) middle of the game. So that stuff happens. But with Josh, you know, if you strike him out, he's really good. You look at him and be like, yeah, what's up, dude? Like, I own you. So now wait a minute. (laughs) This brings, yeah, I got to ask this question. I heard a story once Willie Mays told a story that he went up against Drysdale, came in the batter's box and dug in and took away the line so he could get a little further back in the batter's box. Mm-hmm. And Drysdale just stood on the mound and looked at him. And as soon as he got set, he winged one right under his chin. Yeah. And Mays stepped back out and filled in the hole and got back in the plate and tipped his hat and got in there to bat against Drysdale. Do you have that kind of attitude? You see a guy dig in on you and you're saying, now forget you, bam, and throw one under there? Well, based on the current legislative outlook of Major League (laughs) Baseball, I'm not allowed to confirm or deny if I've ever intentionally thrown at a hitter. Um, I will say that in the past it has happened that some left-handed pitchers have thrown at right-handed batters or left-handed batters in order to intimidate them. But, um, no, I mean, there are some guys that you just have a thing that you have to go up, you know, go in there 
and and take back what they're trying to take away. And there was a guy a couple of years ago. I actually I threw up and in with the intention of backing him off the plate. He didn't move. It broke his hand. He just stood there like a statue. And his he was out for the season after that. And I was like, he was in such pain. He I was like, move. well, he was no. It was before. No, it was before. I'm saying he just stood there uh. and like watched the ball hit his hand and was like, bam. And I was sitting there like on the mound, like, what? Get out of the way, idiot. Like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? So it's like, shouldn't have been standing there, man. But, um, you know, so some guys, they won't get out of the way, you know, and that's what that's the weird thing for me. Like, Kinsler won't get out of the way. He also doesn't wear any pads, which is why I respect him, because he gets way up on the dish. He doesn't wear any pads. And if a dude hits him, he, he, he'll take it and then try to steal second base. And, um, you know, that's what makes him a really good leadoff hitter. Other guys, they're like, I don't want to get hurt. And I'm like, come on, man, don't be a – can I say can I say bitch? Is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh. Okay, yeah. I'll be like, come on, don't be a bitch, you know? So, um, <laughs> like, get, like, just take one and get on first base. Uh, so some guys, some guys are more manly about that than others, and you know. But back in the day, you used to get away with that. Now with instant replay, there's some guy in New York watching all the games, and if he deems that you threw intentionally at a guy, Oof. like I, happened to me a couple of years ago, when I may or may not have thrown behind a very high-priced player, um, I was fined. At the time, it was seven hundred fifty dollars, which is no big deal when you're in the major leagues. But you do get fined if you get th- if you hit somebody intentionally. Back in the day, they didn't used to do that. Like I mean, dudes would throw the bat at the pitcher and stuff if they, if they get in a fight. <laughs> So it's it the landscape has changed now, and if you intentionally throw at a guy, then or seem to intentionally throw at a guy, then you get in really big trouble. I'm sorry. One more question, baseball question. With I like with, to party. Go for uh, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you being with straight edge, clean living of mm-hmm. sorts. With what happened with the Hall of Fame, right? Uh, you being a younger player, a 32 year old player, looking yeah. at these guys that some say or some shouldn't get in. Bonds, McGuire, Clemens. What's right. your take on that, CJ? Well, to be fair, I mean, like some of those guys were so good that they would have got in anyways. Like Barry Bonds would have hit 500 home runs if he never would have done steroids. So it's like, at some point, there's kind of this like forehead slap, face palm thing. Like Barry, what were you doing? Like, or why did you do that? You know, and and I don't really understand because I've never been tempted to do that. And as, when I came into the league, we were test, we were, uh, you know, we were tested all the time. So we always had steroid testing and all that stuff so i i've always played in relatively a cleaner era than they did so i don't understand it so i can't sympathize with it i can't sympathize with anybody that did steroids because for me it's cheating straight up and you know i i never did it i've never had a beer before so it's like i i feel like there's an ethical thing there with the with the steroids because it's cheating and some guys go home at the end of the day, and they don't make the major leagues because the guy that hit the home run off him was on steroids or whatever, or they lose their spot to the guy that was juicing, you know, and that sucks. But there's plenty of guys that did it that will never get caught yep. because they were mid-level players, and they might have even mm-hmm. had a nice career out of it, made you know twenty or thirty million bucks, maybe not the two hundred that Barry Bonds made or whatever, but you know, it, it's it's a difficult thing. And if I was a voter, I probably wouldn't vote for those guys either. You know, I mean, I don't see the point in voting for those guys because I feel like. You have to have a, you have to at some point draw a line in the sand and say okay this is that and then you know because it's like you have guys now that that have never done it that their numbers are going to be compared to like let's say Giancarlo Stanton the guy from the Marlins he could hit he could hit three or four hundred home runs um, he's a he's a monster you know but he never did anything so it's like he or Mike Trout Mike Trout's going to have to compare numbers True. with this other guy you know and and he's just a freak of nature which like Willie Mays was you know so you have to respect that. And I feel that, you know, I guess that's why I don't get a vote. You know, I'm not a baseball writer, so it doesn't really matter. So, I mean, 
with the way the regulations are now, that no one can really be that much faster than anybody else. You know, like car to car, we would get you know some sort of penalty. So not only would the guy be a jerk, but then we'd have to deal with him the rest of the year complaining that you know he's getting held back because Grand Am put ballast in his car or something because he's too fast. So I'd probably not hire an asshole. So you would never hire Juan Pablo Montoya? I don't really know uh, JPM at all. You know, I'm not. I see that he always. No worries. No worries. You're very good. You're the guy down that road. You're very good. You taught him well. (laughs) No, but I really, I don't know a lot of these guys. I met some of them and, you know, some, some of the guys like. My, one of my first experiences, I was at uh, Mazda Raceway. I'm supposed to say that because I'm with Mazda, right? Uh, Laguna Seca a couple years ago for American Le Mans. And one of the drivers was walking around, and one of the g- officials was like, oh, hey, meet CJ. He's a huge racing fan, whatever. He races himself. And he's like, we have enough gentleman drivers in this series. I am sick of the gentleman drivers. They are they're, they're rolling chicanes. And I was like... <laughs> Man, if I ever get on track with this guy, I'm going to punt his ass. Like, you won't be a, up. You will, you'll be a wall and not a chicane. I will knock him out, yeah, because I was like, I just met this guy, and he's telling me. And he me, said that to your wow. face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, like, walking around, like, you know, with a camera, like a fan, and he says that. And I looked at right at the guy, and I was like, all right, cool, like, whatever. And do you remember who it was? Yeah, I do remember who it was, but I'm not going to say who it will was. Will you tell us off mic? Yeah, I'll tell you off mic. No problem. I don't think he races in. I mean, he's an older guy, so I don't think he's going to be racing against Ralph me. Schumacher? No. no, no. He's, yeah, there's he's king of ass. Really? Ralph Schumacher is the king of ass. Oh, yeah. I have a really witty comeback against that, but I don't know how, you know, I thought, because I was going to say I thought Wilt Chamberlain was the king of ass, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> 10,000 of them or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ralph will be lucky to get a freaking sniff of some of Wilt's game. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the the cool thing now is, like, with, with all the different series, you know, in America, as a, as a fan, I'm able to go to Formula One races now. Nice. able to go to NASCAR races if, I, if the schedule allows because they race, like, what, 36 races? Long, Jesus, yeah. it's like the longest season ever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, our, our team, I'm really... baseball's not... Baseball, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, baseball. <laughs> it's funny because I sit here and think sometimes, I'm like, man, those NBA guys—they got it so easy. The court is like ninety feet long. It's air conditioned. You know what I mean? They play like twice or three times a week. You know, like man, that's the that's the most cake. Yeah, pro go play in show. Arlington. You know, in July yeah, play in Texas and for you know eighty games a year in Texas or you know one of those northern cities like Detroit or Minnesota where it's freezing in April and then. You know, sweltering in July and then bugs everywhere. You know, <laughs> some other time of year and then rain. So you know, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Race car drivers have it pretty hard. A lot of these guys they 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 instruct in between races or they do a lot of you know sponsor related activities and their training and and everything. So it's it racing really is all year round too. So you're basically calling NBA guys a bunch of pussies. <laughs> no, because they would probably stomp me. But um, but NFL on the other hand, that seriously, that's only four months. It's pretty short, but those guys, I will never say anything bad about the NFL. Otherwise, I would never want to play in the NFL because it's just it looks too brutal, and I don't want to have a concussion, you know, unless it's me hitting a wall on a Formula car. So, um, yeah, I mean NBA, I think it's probably the easiest season. But being seven feet tall, like it's you can't you can't change that. Yeah. <laughs> like when I'm done playing baseball, I'm a regular sized dude. I can just like cruise in, like oh cool, I can sit in this car, I can go to this restaurant, I can walk through the mall, and like no one's gonna look at me like I'm a weirdo. But I mean, like if Kobe Bryant walks into a restaurant, like the whole restaurant snaps around and they're like, dude, this dude's six foot eight. It's obviously Kobe Bryant. Like everybody knows who he is, and I mean he can't hide anywhere. So 
I mean, I, I wouldn't want to wake up out of bed at 40 years old and be like, oh, man, these these NBA knees, you know, I wouldn't want to be dealing with Unless that. Unless you're Will Chamberlain and it's another face next to you that you wake up next You're to just you. rolling over and there's just a pile of uh, <laughs> there's just a pile of booty all over the place. Well, the last party shot is I'm, you know, being raised in Dallas. It hurt. It hurt when you came out to L.A. I mean, I'm, I've been in L.A. for 20 years. I was going to say, but, where do you live now? Well, but just, t- t- trust me. <laughs> Frank Howard and the Rangers in 1972 is my first game. So that's how far back I go. Frank Howard was a boss. He had the he, rolled up sleeves. He was like, the ass, brother. Yeah, he was really he good. He was the ass. Yeah. But Tex-Mex or California Max, you got, answer answer honestly. That's what you, be honest. If it's if it's uh, Garcia's in Fort Worth, yeah, I think is it TJ T. Garcia? What is it? Used to be a place. Fuzzy's Tacos next to uh, next to TCU. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they're Fuzzy. always at a Texas Motor Speedway too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, there's some good. T- there's some good Cali SoCal. Salsa is better in Southern California, without <laughs> for question. Sure. Without for sure. question. Yeah. CJ, thanks for coming in, man. Anytime. See, where are you going to get a guy like that, CJ Wilson, talking like that on a motorsports show, Statman? He just stood there in the studio with us and had a good time. Yeah. We stopped only because. We stopped. We could have gone on for another half hour with probably better stuff than that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. He literally just spent 30 minutes with us. He had a charity thing coming up, and he didn't even stop to bring it up and say, hey, I really got to cut this off now. I mean, literally, it just kind of organically stopped. And you're yeah, right. right. We could have gone had we just asked more questions. Yeah. It was, he's, just, he's just he's a real a genuine dude. Yeah, I would have loved to if we could have got some more from him on guys that he could he, could, he gets out or can't get out, or he throws that, or if he's ever gotten any fights in the in the game. I mean, it, it would have been cool to... He Russ- was telling some good behind-the-scenes stuff about how they really do look at each other and, and give each other looks and give each other, you know, snarls. And, and there's one player pitching. that will not be named that is a freak in the bedroom. Oh, yeah, we're not going to... That was off my conversation. I know it's off mic, <laughs> but there's a dude that's a freak in the bedroom, and we'll leave it at that. In fact, Russell on our Facebook page said, CJ is a douche. Russell, listen, listen to that interview. CJ Wilson has no sign of doucheness in there. He'll say that. Not at all. Online. Yeah. He's probably a Rangers fan and he's mad that (laughs) CJ left or. or, You know, when when you and I go to Texas Motor Speedway sometimes, there is talk of, ah, good riddance, CJ, you know, whatever. Well, it's the, it's the Southern California attitude that he, that he has that some people take as being arrogant. Or egotistical when it's just kind of a, eh, okay, let it roll off your He's back. He's just laid back. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't he doesn't let things get to him, which is cool.